Some people come to try to straighten us out, to turn us to their doctrines, to get us to go to their church. When we are trying to follow God and have been born of His Spirit and are following God by the Spirit of God, they do not come to us in a pure way, in an open way. They have a hidden agenda. They do great hurt as they attack us. But it's always been my experience that God stabilizes me and restores my soul after their attacks. One time a woman in our own church group attacked me. She had been in our group 39 years. I couldn't believe what was happening. It was on the telephone. And by that time, I was living in the home of Pam Paget, another member of the Body of Christ. On the phone, Barbara was yelling at me so loudly, accusing me, that Pam could hear her through a solid wood door in another room. I was in my bedroom. Pam was in the adjacent room, and she heard Barbara screaming at me all the way through the door. I stopped Barbara at one point, and I said, let's get Pam in here to listen to this. Let's get Pam on the extension. So I called Pam and got her on the extension. And I began talking, trying to reason with Barbara. And for a minute, it was calmer. But then she lost control and started screaming again at me. Pam witnessing. I believe I remember that Pam tried to talk to her, and she started screaming a third time at me. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that a man who is a railer, put him away from you. If he's a brother in Christ, just put him away. Don't have anything to do with him. And I said to Pam, that's what we have to do in this situation. And she agreed. Sometimes they're relatives, and they're trying to turn you to their church and turn you away from what you are doing. I have a cousin who tried that with me. All her life, she has attended Church of Christ. She contacted me and told me it by letter. She can't hear. She's deaf, so uh, she has to communicate in writing. But she wrote to me trying to tell me I could not possibly be an apostle because of what Peter said. She didn't even tell me where it was, but I know she meant Acts 1, where Peter was talking to the church and telling them they had to replace Judas as an apostle. And Peter set down the qualifications they would have to use in choosing an apostle, a replacement for uh, Judas. In verse 21, Acts 1, Peter says, Wherefore, of these men which have companied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning 
from the baptism of John unto that same day that Jesus was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of Jesus' resurrection. So it had to be someone who was accompanying with them from the time John the Baptist spoke up through the time Jesus had been crucified and was resurrected. Who does that leave out? Who does that omit from being an apostle? Paul. He wasn't with them. He was persecuting the church at that time. See, Paul couldn't even be an apostle by verse 21-22 if that's what you're going to use for your requirement to be an apostle. Not that Peter was wrong in setting it up for the replacement of Judas because they drew lots and Matthias was the apostle who became the 12th apostle. It wasn't that Peter was wrong in doing it that way to replace Judas, but there was going to be another plan set up for Jesus after he was resurrected, and Paul fits into that plan. That plan is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 after Jesus arose, he gave gifts to the church. Verse 11, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Those churches today who teach that there are no longer any apostles and prophets teach a false doctrine they completely omit this fact that Jesus, after he arose, gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the work of the ministry. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11-12. So my cousin completely missed this. Paul is not the last apostle. He wasn't the twelfth apostle. Matthias was the twelfth apostle, yet Paul was a great apostle wrote most of the New Testament. But there were people in the day of Paul that didn't think he was an apostle. We see that by some of the things Paul wrote. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 2, Paul says, If I be not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. People were examining Paul at that time because he said, my answer to them that do examine me is this. There were people in Paul's day who didn't think he could be an apostle. He didn't walk with Jesus at the time Jesus walked on this earth. He was called as an apostle on the road to Damascus as he was going out to persecute Christians. Jesus, a bright light appeared to him and Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he answered and said, Who art thou, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. In Acts chapter 26, there's a wonderful additional testimony of that situation 
where Jesus appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus. Paul is explaining this to King Agrippa. It's such a wonderful explanation, and it expands what Jesus said to Paul. Let's read that, Acts 26. Paul said to King Agrippa, starting in verse 9, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison. And having received authority from the chief priest, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the bricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not obeyed disobedient unto the heavenly vision. From that point on, Paul was a Christian and a minister. I was not disobedient unto what God showed me. Same thing with me. God is the one who told me I was an apostle. I had no idea what apostle did. I went to the church I was attending. I asked our Bible teacher, what does an apostle do? Our Bible teacher said, I don't know. And I said, well, who are the apostles at this church? Because they taught that there were apostles, prophets, but who, who were the apostles? I'd never heard anybody pointed out as being an apostle at that church. Well, my, our Bible teacher said, I don't know who they are. So I turned to God and I said, well, you're just going to have to teach me about this apostle thing. And he did. To summarize it, apostles have an anointing from God to deal with Scripture. They have anointing 
to deal with doctrine in churches. They are always dealing with doctrine in churches. Paul said to the elders at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20 that after his departing, he knew there were people among the elders who would rise up and speak perverse things to the church to draw away disciples after themselves. Paul knew this would happen. He knew grievous wolves would come into the church with false doctrine. Paul wouldn't be there to stop them. Apostles fight that false doctrine. That is the calling of an apostle to the New Testament church. I fight the doctrine constantly. I present doctrine from the Bible. The man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. If the woman divorces and remarries, she commits adultery. What am I quoting from? New Testament. The New Testament. I'm quoting from Matthew 5.32, First. Corinthians 7, verses 10 and 11. I'm quoting from the Bible. See, they've departed from the Bible in most of the churches. They have set up another doctrine which pleases humans. Apostles try to present correct doctrine from the Bible to the people who have been polluted by the churches. I've had people say to me, oh, we don't follow the Bible. We have our own doctrine at church. I screamed out, there is no doctrine except the Bible. You better get this straight. There is no doctrine except the Bible. At the judgment seat of Christ, every one of us will be judged by one thing, the Bible the New Testament Bible. So if your church is teaching something opposite from the New Testament Bible and you are going along with that doctrine, you're going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ concerning going along with that doctrine of your own church group, contrary to the doctrine of Christ. That's how serious this is. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where it says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that we would receive for that which we have done in our bodies, whether it be good or bad. Knowing the terror of the Lord, Paul says, we persuade men. And that's what we do all the time. We're always doing that. So I told my cousin, in order to follow her, I would have to give up faith in God. I would have to deny all the things that God has told me in the Bible as well as the things he has told me personally by the Holy Spirit. And like Paul, I was going to choose to hold on to the heavenly vision that God has given me and not follow her. That's the last time I ever communicated with her. She's most likely dead now. 
because she was 97 at that time. I did send one more note to her after that. What I told her was, you have your doctrine wrong concerning Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. I felt if she could just look at that and agree with that scripture, God might save her. But she's probably dead now. She might have been alive when she got that note from me because the way I phrased it is, if you are still living, if you will look at this, you might see that you have wrong doctrine. But I never heard from her. So I wouldn't be surprised by what she's dead by now. One other example of people coming saying they're Christians when they have impure motives. An exterminator came to deal with a mouse problem at the house where I live with Pam Padgett on June 19, 2020. Almost immediately, this man identified himself as being a Christian. He talked of God putting him into the business to exterminate the pests that God created. He continued talking about God, and he said he was um, himself went on ministry trips where he ministered to people, and he very proudly began to tell me the places he had gone to minister, and I stopped him. And I said to him, how did God reveal to you that you are called to be a minister? And which ministry are you called to? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher? He just went dead silent. It was like he was hit by a thunderbolt. And then he said, well, I don't know. And I said, well, how did God show you you were to go minister? He thought about it. And he said, I don't know. I'm not going to accept somebody's a minister when they can't tell me how God communicated to them that they're going to be a minister. And then he said something terrible. He was an exterminator, and he came to deal with a mouse problem, and he said, quote, You can always hope that the mice will leave your house and move to the house of a neighbor that you hate, end quote. I was shocked. This man says he's a Christian. I responded to him, I haven't, don't have any neighbor I hate. Later, I ended up telling him he had no business identify him himself as a Christian while he spoke these things that he spoke while he was at our house. At one point, I ordered him out of my room. And he left the room, and he got out into the hallway, and he had the nerve to turn and say to me, Have a happy day. I had been dealing with him for well over an hour, fighting the scripture that he was misquoting, fighting him because he added to the Bible things that are not printed in the Bible that cannot be proved, making him back down on his doctrines. It had taken me well over an hour of struggling with him, to, and I struggled to the point that I finally ordered him out of my room, and he has the nerve to turn to me and say, have a happy day? 
I said to him, go to hell. That stopped him. He fled our house. I asked Pam if he said anything when she took the check out to him. She said she handed him the check. He said not a word. He was sitting in the car, his car. He wouldn't, he didn't even come into the garage. He was sitting out there in his car waiting for her to bring him the check. He didn't say a word. She handed him the check and said bye and turned and walked back into the house. Pam told me she was just trembling. She said that she'd never heard a stronger presentation of a prophet than I gave to this man. Pam had a judgment about him. She said he showed no sorrow and no repentance at the evil that he spoke to us about the neighbor and trying to hope that the mice go to a neighbor's house, a neighbor whom we hate. I confronted him with this. He said, well, that was just a joke. And I said, no, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You have evil in your heart. It came out your mouth. I told him James chapter 1, where James said, if you can't bridle your tongue, your religion is vain. You go about speaking of being a Christian and your ministry trips. Your whole religion is vain. You cannot bridle your tongue. You don't have your own tongue under control. Now, it may seem like I don't by saying go to hell, but I believe what I said was from God to him. There were several times in the hour I spent talking to this man where I almost said that, go to hell. But I didn't say it. It was too much then at the end. These are Antichrist people coming in the name of God, saying they are Christians. Jesus said in Matthew 24, in the last days, Take heed that you be not deceived by them, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. They will come saying they are Christians and will deceive many. Paul said in Titus chapter 1 that there were many unruly and vain talkers, especially they of the circumcision. They were the Jews. Paul had to fight the Jews constantly. We have the counterfeit Christians, the Antichrist Christians who come to us in the name of God, saying they are Christians while they bring pollutions and evil to us or to try to stop us from doing that to which God has called us. I don't put up with them for a minute. I am now using Titus chapter 3 as an instruction. After the first and second admonition, reject them knowing that they are subverted and sinneth, being condemned of themselves. And they condemn themselves with their own words. When you encounter one of them, don't keep teaching them. They won't turn. They can't turn. They're not being taught by God while we are. They put themselves in the church by going forward and being baptized. They are not Christians. They can't be taught by God. They aren't being taught by God, rather. 
God can do what he chooses, but he's told us, don't keep trying to teach these people. After the first and second admonition, reject them. Titus chapter 3, use that if you need it. I do. These scriptures are printed out for you, for the most part, on our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortation. Click on podcast, pull up the recording, people who come saying they are Christians, but they have a hidden agenda. Pull up that recording, and you will see these written out for you. I will also have Pam put a graphic illustration that God gave me of an open vision. I'll have her add it to our written material so you can see it if you haven't already seen it. It's a an open vision, and I saw these people who say they're Christians but bring this evil. I saw them as vermin. When I looked up the word vermin, and Pam looked it up, She did a graphic illustration of it, and it is wonderful. It's exactly what I saw in the open vision. I will have her print it on this writing so you can see it. Again, the name of our blog is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you with this message today.